It was instinct. I knew as a mom, this product, I would have bought it in a heartbeat. I knew so many consumers would instantly get it. It had to be in front of people, masses. Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning into the Food Startups Podcast. I am your host, Hema Reddy. On this show, we talk about some incredible journeys, the hurdles, the breakthroughs, the failures, and successes that shape the present and future of the food and beverage industry. So stick around for some exciting and insightful conversation. All right, we have Jessica Levison from Peekaboo Organics, a fast-moving ice cream brand on the podcast today. I can't tell you how excited I am to record this interview because I have two toddlers. And if I can get ice cream in their bellies and beets and zucchini, you know, and things like that, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> so Jessica Levison, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, perfect. I'm looking forward to this interview. I want to start with, tell me about you, not the CPG entrepreneur, but Jessica as a person, because so much of what we see in the market in terms of products, especially consumer products, carries the soul and personality of who the founder is and the founding team is. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I have an insatiable appetite for sweets. <laughs> There's not enough sweets on this planet <laughs> for me all day long. It's so funny that you describe it that way, you know, the soul of the entrepreneur, because peekaboo ice cream is essentially me in a pint container. It's indulgent, delicious ice cream. And, you know, like you, I have two little toddlers, actually, I have three toddlers, <laughs> and you need convenience. So you're always, as a mom, you're looking for that genius product that cuts steps and drama out of your day. Oh, we all know how that is. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, me in a nutshell is efficiency and sweets. Oh, that's a beautiful way to put it. <laughs> now, when I pick up a pint of ice cream from the shelf, I'll just think of you <laughs> in, in a pint. <laughs> but I mean, what a great time to be in the frozen knowledge category. It's growing insanely and we're seeing new innovations coming across the board. So it's a great time to be there for a product like Peekaboo. But I want to hear, how was your journey? I know that you had a creamery in uh, Miami. Is that correct? That is correct. So what made you start a creamery? So I'm a lawyer by trade. I was practicing law for many years. And like all entrepreneurs, you need to be a healthy dose of naive in order to think that you can do it better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was me. I was practicing law, loving ice cream, eating ice cream and making ice cream at home when I thought I can do it better in my little town of Surfside, Florida, which is just north of Miami Beach. So being naive and ambitious and excited I opened up a shop. I went to Penn State Ice Cream School, which counts as alums, Ben and Jerry, Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. Anybody you see in the ice cream freezer at your retailer, they've all attended Penn State Ice Cream Short Course. So I went there and opened up shop and, um, you know, everything evolved from there. Were you still practicing law when you opened up shop? I was actually. I, I, my dad was semi-retired and I said, this was already 10 years ago. And I said, dad, mm -hmm. just help me just just the day shift, because I was still practicing. <laughs> just for a couple of weeks, I'm going to hire a manager. It's going to be super quick, you know, pretty painless, just a few weeks. And then 10 years later, <laughs> he's, still, he's still there. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, he's the grumpy old man behind the counter that everybody loves. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that so sweet to have your 
father help you? And clearly he is loving what he's doing. Otherwise he would not hang around for 10 years. He loves it. He loves it more than anything. I mean, he is like the soul of the day-to-day ice cream shop. He loves it. He holds court there with, you know, all the passersby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, So at what point did you quit your job as a lawyer? I was actually pregnant with my first daughter. So six years ago, I would say seven years ago. So the business had already been operating a few years. It was going well, but it was, you know, we made everything in-house and from scratch using local seasonal ingredients. But definitely that was not the origin of Peekaboo at that time. Um, The name of the ice cream shop is Serendipity Creamery. So I stopped practicing law when I was pregnant with my first. And then as she started, you know, she was born and started growing and consuming foods and hating veggies, I realized I I needed a hack. I needed a Mm -hmm. a mommy hack to figure out how to combine this, you know, what I was already doing, which was ice cream with what was posing the greatest challenge at that point, which was getting veggies into her belly. (laughs) So did you first put some flavors out in your store? Yep. That's exactly what happened. And our original versions, some of them were total fails. So my first experiment was vanilla with turnip. I see. Yeah. I was just going to ask you that. How was the first few trials with veggies? I thought turnip is genius. It's white. Vanilla ice cream is Mm -hmm. white. What could go wrong? And it was an awful, it was just too bitter. It did not work. (laughs) And what's funny is at my ice cream shop, since we don't use any artificial colors or flavors, the mint chip has always been white. Mm-hmm. And when I started experimenting with hiding spinach inside the mint chip, little by little, it would start becoming more green. So my usual customers were immediately suspicious, even though I was trying to keep from them what the secret ingredient was to see how many veggies I can get away with sneaking into the mint chip without the That's milk. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's your real, that's your R&D. That's your, you know, what do you call focus group testing, that's consumer exactly testing, right. everything. That's yeah. perfect. It was awesome. And also because they know my product. It was such a luxury to be able to have consumers that were used to eating super indulgent, handmade ice cream. And now mm-hmm. seeing, you know, how much they could tolerate of the veggies with keeping that level of quality. You know, it's not like I just presented them this Absolutely. product mm-hmm. out of nowhere. They had a point of comparison and here was this new product that I wasn't really, you know, I would, of course, disclose there's a secret ingredient, mm-hmm, <laughs> no, I don't mm-hmm. want, you know, to risk any allergies, but, but the jig was up with the mint chip immediately. The other flavors, it took a lot longer for them to discover because there wasn't really an impact on, you know, the visual component. So I wonder what made you decide, you know, not branching out multiple store locations, right? Brick and mortar ice cream shops versus going the CPG route. Really, it was instinct. I knew as a mom, this product, I would have bought it in a heartbeat at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. I knew so many consumers would instantly get it. It had to be in front of people, masses, you know, and my local storefront, while, you know, the heart of this little community was no way to really, it just, it wasn't the right venue for peekaboo ice cream. I see. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, there is a consumer lifestyle. And it's almost a village. And it's so funny how the consumer lifestyle eating habits is what I mean when I say lifestyle changes when you go from Northern California to the Midwest to to the South. So yeah, you've got to go place a product where the consumer is. Was that your strategy when you decided to launch or pick your first few retail partners? 
You know, I mean, to just back it up slightly, for me, it was really important. I mean, I think you touched on something really important. You have to appeal to, to the consumer in NorCal, who mm-hmm. loves organic, loves veggies in all their form. <laughs> and the Midwest, I mean, they love their ice cream. My husband is from the Midwest, and there's an ice cream shop on every corner. And what they want is super indulgent ice cream. So for me, it was very important really to pick a lane. So early on in the development of Peekaboo, I thought, you know, you try to be everything to everybody because your gut is, well, I want to sell to the greatest number of people. Mm-hmm. And then if, you know, segment A likes this and segment B likes this, let's give them both what they want. <laughs> but it doesn't quite work like that in practice. So originally I thought, let me lower the sugar, lower the calories, lower this. And then I ended with a product that I wouldn't have eaten myself just because when I'm looking to indulge, it has to be delicious ice cream. So we kept the fat content, the calories the same. The sugar is a touch less just because a lot of the sweetness is contributed by the veggies, but it's fortified with the vitamins and minerals of these organic veggies, really to be able to appeal to the greatest number of consumers while still maintaining, you know, quality and and something that people would want to eat. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. At the end of the day, no matter how healthy it is, unless it's a diet restriction, you know, there's a difference, there's a very clear difference between restriction and choice. You know, choice is something uh, that's a, that's a combination of, okay, what your mind tells you to eat and what your palate tells you to eat and what you want to eat. And if you don't feel like eating it again, sometimes the palate overrules the mind and, you know, the conscious mind. Absolutely. Cause you, you really want to enjoy what you're eating and it's so much better if you either feel less guilty about it or if you have more mm-hmm. nutritional you know, attributes. So I I really think that that's the magic of peekaboo, that you're not sacrificing anything, but you feel better about indulging. And by the way, you're getting all these vitamins and minerals that wouldn't otherwise be in your scoop of ice cream. So it's like a, a, you know, win-win, you know, and it's okay to indulge. I mean, why not? Yeah. We all deserve a treat. Right now, we're completely living in a time, which is a time of indulgence. Fat is back. Fat is back with a bang, right? Right. So, and the hidden veggies is just in trend. I mean, constantly food manufacturers are coming up with new ways to hide veggies uh, in meals and snacks, chips. I mean, it's across the board. So this seems like a perfect value proposition for today's consumer. I I mean, I hope today's consumer agrees. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you went from zero to 1300 stores. Yeah. So... There is uh, something that the buyers and retail stores want in Peekaboo. So tell us more about that in eight months. Yeah. How did that happen? You know what's amazing about that? It really tells you the power of the consumer and that retailers at this point know that they have to listen. So typically retailers would buy what they wanted to buy or what their instinct told them would sell. But the fact Mm -hmm. that all these retailers, these conventional supermarkets like Safeway, Weiss Markets, HEB, would choose to take peekaboo so early on really tells you that they're listening to the consumer and the consumer wants more nutritious, indulgent, delicious foods, organic, you know, foods that do more. So we originally launched an HEB that was in August. That was the first retailer that really took a risk on peekaboo. Was it hard? Was it, I mean, how did that go? HEB. Because you're in Miami and sometimes HEB is very, um, keen to bring in local products. So how did that process of launching with HEB do? What did you say that they were like, yes, we've got to give uh, Peekaboo a try? You know what? I I don't know. I think, look, I don't want to speak for them, but I I think they do take risks on new products. I think they're very open-minded. And since it's a family 
owned business and they've been around a long time and they have such enormous support from the community. I think they sit in this great spot where they can take risks on new products and offer their consumers the best and most innovative stuff. And they really, I think, step up to that. And that's why they're so well loved. I think, you know, in terms of presenting, you know, the buyer must have seen sort of the authentic story behind it. Uh, You know, when I met with her, and seen the value in offering their consumers something totally different. It's the only ice cream on the market that has hidden veggies. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'm impressed that they did, and I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, and that is so good. I mean, being local, giving young brands a chance, this is what, from a vendor standpoint, supplier standpoint, I live in Austin, Texas, and you have to see people just love HEB. It just <laughs> dominates. <laughs> the retail presence. It is just, um, you go to any HEB location, it's just flooded. The amount of uh, foot traffic that the stores get, it's not just a combination. It's not just a fact that, okay, they've got products, but it is just the overall presence in the community and how loved they are for everything they do from just community involvement to support, as well as giving new brands a try. So you're absolutely right. And we're just fortunate to have such a, you know, superb retailer in just arm's reach. Absolutely. Really, really, really great retailer. Yep. All right. So um, 1,300 stores in eight months. Now, does that come after some uh, planning that, because, you know, a lot of these decisions happen in um, it's in review cycles. Exactly. So HEB picked us up outside of that review cycle. So it was outside of their review cycle and then... Okay, they cut you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So then the review cycle started for the 2019 reset for ice cream in most retailers. It was August, September, October. So we had just hit shelves at HEB, had no sales data, but we came in, you know, with the confidence and strength of saying HEB, this great conventional retailer picked us up. You know, this is what we offer. This is how great our product is. And um, we were lucky enough that other really conventional retailers like Safeway also took the chance, listened to their consumer, and then trends in the, you know, CPG, and mm-hmm. and also decided to pick up Peekaboo in different regions. So, for example, mm-hmm. Safeway, it's going to be in Denver, NorCal, and Eastern. Mm-hmm. Um, Whole Foods, it's going to be in Florida region, which is exciting because for me, that's my backyard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's special. Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to say, you know, hey, go pick it up at Whole Foods. And then the other retailers that signed on were just, you know, from really good meetings and them really being open-minded and, you know, having foresight. Because again, it's a, it's an innovative product, which is great because there's no other product. It's first to market and it happens to stand on its own as great and delicious ice cream. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it's a tough sell. Like it's got hidden veggies. What does it taste like? Is the consumer going to get it? Do they need to taste it before buying it? Are they going to pay mm-hmm. an organic retail price for it? This is so close to home, Jessica, because what we make, it's, we make Wonder Nuggets. Uh, my company is Crafty Counter. So we make these chicken nuggets with veggies and also like lentil nuggets with veggies. And that is the question that almost always comes up. Well, how is it going to taste? Uh, some people are just downright excited about it. Some people are like, okay, let me taste it. Right, <laughs> and right. usually the hesitant ones are the buyers because they're taking a risk on you, right? It's not like, you know, seven or eight or $9 a bag. It's just more than that. Right. They're giving you shelf space. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then like keeping you there for the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what do you do? You do in-store demos? How do you get the consumer to take, to take a chance? We do a lot of demos. So that is the bulk of our investment. 
and just a lot of um, Instagramming, right? <laughs> Recipes on Instagram, and just right now it's been content marketing and a lot of demos and trying to be organic, just reaching out to people that believe in foods like this uh, right. across the Instagram community, nutritionists, and so it helps that almost everybody that we send product out to just almost always it does makes a call out on Instagram because they're just so surprised. That aha moment. Cause with you also like it, it's the consumer perception, at least the, you know, the type of consumer that's maybe a little more conservative, you know, their mm-hmm. perception of what your product is. And then the moment they taste it and their, you know, their eyebrows go really high up on their face yes. <laughs> and their eyes yes. are, go wide open. It's such a cool moment to see like, see, I told you so. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And as a founder, it takes a lot of hard work to get to, you know, where the product hits the shelf and one cannot underscore that enough. So just seeing those reactions and testimonials, I'm sure probably just make your day. Absolutely. And you also raised money recently. Yes. How, I mean, you have all these record milestones, like eight months expansion, six weeks, a million dollars, you know, what was the biggest factor and making that fundraising easy for you. You know, it's, it happens once in a while here and there. You hear you know, these cool stories. But most of the time, it is just a pain to raise money, especially seed round, you know. Yeah. I, again, I, you know, I come from the law field and, you know, a local ice cream shop. So this was all totally and utterly new to me. First, when I thought, okay, I'm going to, well, what's funny, let me just back it up a moment. I was thinking of raising money a year ago, just because my husband, you know, it, it had been, Peekaboo had been self-funded. My husband has his own career. And then he was sort of starting to like, every time I would look at him, you know, with like those eyes, like, hey, I need a little bit of money. I hear you. Right, exactly. Like, you know, it got to a point where he was already like, like not making eye contact, <laughs> like trying to avoid me. Uh, I would follow him around the kitchen. So it was about a year ago when I thought, okay, maybe I should go raise capital. And naive me, I thought 100000 should do it. And I was mm-hmm. prepared to give 10% of the company. Mm-hmm. For a hundred thousand dollars, and looking back, oh my God! Thank God I didn't like. We found a way to sort of scrimp and and bootstrap it, you know, until mm-hmm. this point because that would have been. Look, you have to do what you have to do. I don't want to say there would have been anything wrong with that. People take different routes, and no one r- journey can be the same, even in the same category. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about what your tolerance level is, what your long-term strategy is. It's so many different factors that kind of guide this decision-making process. Absolutely. And also the nice thing about taking capital is, number one, it sort of validates your business. So even had it been the $100,000, obviously I would have been giving up more equity, but at that point it could have been the right decision. It wouldn't have been a bad decision, but it sort of validates what you're doing, that someone's willing to take their own money and put it behind you. And then also hopefully give some insight or advice, you know, if they come from a professional world, Th- those are all, there's so much value in that. You know, the fact that I could delay it, I think put me in a much better, more educated position to, to know what to do with the money, mm-hmm. value the company appropriately and, and take the money when I really did need it to really catapult and support growth. At what point was that? So when, I mean, this is, was this after your Safeway, HEB, Whole Foods, like all these retail launches or what were you, where were you in terms of your revenue or just your journey when you started and ended this process? So I've been working, so I, I, so I should give props to my consultant. I've been working with a consultant for the last two years who it comes from the industry and she's been, I mean, aside from me liking her personally, she, she's, you know, very well versed. 
So about, I would say maybe four months ago, she approached the topic of, hey, you know, it's just you and it's just me. <laughs> um, maybe we should hire staff. You know, you're going to need some kind of funding, you know, to start, start building a team. So again, my, me being naive, I was like, oh, so how much should I try to raise? Like 200000 And she threw out there a million. And I was like, you know, my face turned white. Like who's, how am I, where am I getting a million dollars? I mean, if I start barking up the trees of like everybody I know, I can maybe scrap together 14,000, <laughs> you know, uh, like on the high end, maybe thousand dollars <laughs> um, you know, like I was thinking like how it's never, ever, ever going to happen. But it's, I mean, that's really the beauty of believing in your product and being an entrepreneur. It's such a fun road. It's so hard and so stressful. Cause like every day you, I mean, at least me, I'm going to speak for myself, but every day I doubt myself, you know, I'm like, can I really do this? I mean, how many people did I fool into thinking, you know, mm-hmm. I can do this. And, yeah. you know, at the close of the day you lay down and you're like, oh my God, I did it. You know, whatever that is. Yeah. So it's just so cool. Never in a million years that I think I could do it, you know, raise a million dollars, but you know, it happened. You learn. I mean, I think you have to be humble and open-minded and, you know, listen but also be surrounded by people that that know stuff. And that's not always easy. For example, you know, being, again, coming from law, everyone I've known for the last 15 years has all been lawyers. I mean, you need a lawyer to cut your hair. Mm-hmm. I can get you a lawyer that knows how to cut hair. <laughs> but, you know. So that helps. Yeah. Well, I mean, lawyers, it does <laughs> help. Not for the but. I know. The running joke in my family, because both my brothers are lawyers and my husband's a lawyer. And actually, one of my brothers married a lawyer also. The running joke of my family is like, we need a doctor. (laughs) No more lawyers, a doctor, a podiatrist. I mean, a chiropractor, even a nurse would be wonderful. Anybody other than another lawyer. But, you know, I I come from immigrants. So for us, really, and yeah, at least for my parents, it's really cool for them to see that, you know, we became professionals. It's not like we come from a lineage of professionals or even college educated, you know, people. So, so what were the factors that really, made the round so successful for you? And was it a product or what was it that made people believe? Because this is, you're still early in the journey. I mean, from a typical, um, you know, startup uh, point of view. And usually people find it hard to even raise a few hundred thousand, let alone a million. So what were the factors that were appealing to the early folks that you approached to? I I really was the product. I mean, I, I think the product went a long way just because, I mean, I think you either get it or you, or you don't. And I don't mean that in, mm-hmm. a, in a negative way at all. Cause I, there's a lot of products that are very successful that I just don't get. And they're doing wonderful jobs and they're wonderful brands. Some people just weren't into it, but the investors that I met with that were into it just thought it was awesome. And they wanted to be part of it. They wanted to support it. They believed in my ability to, you know, continue to grow it. Mm-hmm. And just the story behind it. So I think, you know, the, the larger of a net that you cast out, the more likely you are to catch people that get your vision um, and want to help you grow your vision. Uh, you know, a lot of it was luck. I'm not going to pretend like I expected it. It's all business. I mean, anything that you do, be it business or your work, I mean, anything that you get involved in and you put yourself in, it's a combination of luck and 
hard work and you know what you're developing definitely um sometimes yeah and oftentimes luck plays a bigger role definitely. <laughs> but, definitely. but then we have to be ready for with something to back it up right you know you could be very lucky with a bad product and that doesn't you know, that's not going to take you, you right. Know, too far right right you know people are innately and generally very helpful and want to see you succeed even if they can't directly help you or don't want to invest you know they'll be the first to say why don't you talk to this person or here's the email address for this person who might be able to guide you. So, you know, in that sense, it's not like you, at least for me, I didn't necessarily cast that huge net myself. It was like little, you know, like little fishing, little fishing nets. Yes. Little by little, you know, you go make little progress and then get to other people who know people. Yeah. Well, I mean, so far you have played the journey pretty well with a great product and stars have just aligned, which says something, you know, it definitely says that you're on to becoming a a really good, you know, huge brand. What is coming in the horizon? I recently saw uh, an announcement on Narsh. Are you going to be at the expo? We are. We're going to be at Expo West. I'm very excited. It's my very first time. We should connect. Uh, We'll be there too. And we'll be exhibiting. So, well, I am so excited um, for you and your journey and especially because you are bringing more plants, more veggies into people's diets. So anybody that does that, it has just all my respect, all my all my admiration from heart and soul. So I wish you the very best. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? I would just like to encourage you all to take a taste of peekaboo. If you see it in your retail shelves, know that it's super yummy and you'll be getting your veggies. Well, perfect. I am sure. I definitely, <laughs> I'll be taking a you know taste of it and um, we'll be sharing you know our reviews on our Instagram stories and our blogs. So I can I look forward to sharing all of that with the listeners in in a little while from now. But you have a great show. And thank you for coming on and sharing your journey and sharing your experience with us. It's very valuable. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, you have a great year, Jessica, and a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you. You too. If you found value in what you just heard, take a couple of minutes and subscribe to our channel. Even better, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Join the mailing list on our website so you can get notified in new episodes and learn how to build and grow your CPG business.